This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Mike Sedita. Hello out there, everyone. Welcome to episode 32 of the Good Neighbor Podcast. We are fortunate enough to have with us today Rashonda Denny. She is the Director of Education at the Goddard School in Wesley Chapel. How are you, Rashonda? I'm great, Mike. How are you? I am doing excellent. In case you might hear some weird noises on this podcast, it's not thunder. I do have a 70-pound English bulldog underneath my desk, so he is making some rumbling noises. So don't let that throw you off as to what we're talking about here today. But um, I wanted to take a second to give you a warning about that and then fill you in a little bit about what the Good Neighbor Podcast is, why we do what we do, and, and how we got started. So Back in 2020, when you know you guys went through it, everybody was social distancing, and everybody was wearing masks, and we couldn't have that contact with people. The Good Neighbor podcast was started by a gentleman by the name of Charlie McDermott down in Southwest Florida, and it was a way to bring businesses, uh, awareness of businesses and charities and things in the community to the residents in that community and the surrounding area. And the way we do this is just through an informal conversation. I'm a local business owner in Wesley Chapel. You guys have a business, a school in the area. And the idea is just to get you guys a little bit more embedded into the community so people find out who you are if they don't already know where you are and get a little bit more information. And the nice thing about the Good Neighbor Podcast, it's designed to bring businesses to the community. And when it started in Florida three years ago, it was the one and only podcast in Southwest Florida. And now we're a national podcast. I'm fortunate enough to be the person in the Tampa market who handles it. And it's really designed to be about business. So tell us a little bit about the school, a little bit about what you do. Okay. So at the Goddard School located in Wesley Chapel, we are bigger than just a daycare. Um, the Goddard School is a private preschool that offers childcare to infants through toddlers. Um, and then we also offer up to pre-K. Um, so for us, we're a program that's designed to nurture the curiosities of children um, in a safe and caring environment. That is our big you know, to do. Um, what we use is an inquiry-based approach, meaning we nurture the curiosity based on like a question. Um, so we pose that question and we allow the students to come up with the answers in a fun way. So they use play-based experiences that lead and foster um, just the whole child. So well-rounded development is really the nature of what we do. And then from a size standpoint, I know I've been to your location. It's pretty big. Do you I mean, there's different, obviously different age levels within the program, right? So do you guys have a, a number at an enrollment where you keep it to a certain amount or do you have enough staff to, to have classes that are, I don't know what the ratio is of educator to student? So ratios differ depending on the age group. So the younger the students are, the safer it is to have a teacher with a, a, a lower number of students. So we serve students from six weeks up until five years old. During the summer, we offer a program where our um, pre-K students that have graduated can stay, as well as students that are already enrolled in elementary school up until seven. So we have 10 different classrooms. Um, each classroom um, really has a different capacity depending on the age group. Um, and then we have about 33 employees. So you think 10 wow. classrooms, 
about 33 employees. We have a lot of support that really helps to make sure that there is a lot of quality in our program. So one of the biggest things, especially in this industry, is the turnover and then the lack of teachers and things like that. And we don't really suffer from that as much. We have plenty. Um, our staff come in. We have some from um, assistant teachers to leads as well as floaters. We have um, teachers that are resource teachers that handle maybe just the gross motor development or just STEAM. Um, and then, of course, an amazing administrative staff that really just oversee um, the quality of care for what it is that we provide. And then I know I see Goddard schools all over the place. I mean, it's a franchise, right? So do you, does your, does your franchise we have multiple locations or is this the one and only in Wesley Chapel? This is the one and only in Wesley okay. Chapel. Um, awesome. just, just like most franchises, there are some owners that they own multiple, multiple facilities. Ours is just here. So you get the love and everything that is just to us. But the Goddard brand is big and bright. So some of the same things that we stand for as far as like our philosophies and education, our curriculum, that's something that you would see at any Goddard school. So, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. So you're getting that, you know, like sort of family environment of it being one location, but the support of a larger entity that's creating curriculum and all that stuff. So that's that's great. And then from from your standpoint, tell us a little bit about your journey. I mean, have you always been in education when you were a, a young lady growing up on the playground? Were you like, I just want to teach these kids. I don't want to play games with them. I want to teach them the right way to do stuff. Was that your was that your vision always? No, believe it or not, I have been in pre-med since the sixth grade. Um, I attended USF as a biomed student, and the goal was really to be a doctor. Um, at the time, my freshman year, I started working as a hostess in a local cafeteria on campus. But at the time, um, as the semesters went on, they just couldn't be as flexible as I needed them to be with my working hours. So what I did was I took a job as a substitute teacher at the preschool that was on campus. And from that, I fell in love with childcare. Like it was through and through me. It was crazy how much of a passion I had for it. Um, I still love medicine. I am like deemed the doctor of the house here um, for every little scrape and boo-boo and illness. And it's like, what's this? And I can tell you everything about it, but I absolutely love childcare. And so from there, I went ahead and I switched my major to education and the rest is history. Um, my parents were, cut, of course, really upset. Um, I'm sure. That is a big jump. And it was an investment of years and years and years yeah. studying. Um, and they made me promise that when I get out of this, um, what they thought was just a phase when I grew up, <laughs> a doctor. Um, but here I am 19 years later. And I, I, I absolutely love what I do. Um, I am currently a student at Nova Southeastern's um, University for my doctorate. So they're going to get a doctor. Um, it's just not the same. It's not a medical doctor that they expected, but I just want to be there at the top of my field. And again, when I say love what I do, it just literally went from, you know, one area, complete 180 to something else. So you went from blood and guts to, to <laughs> poopy diapers and runny noses. You just kind of switched up the bodily fluids but, a little bit. Hey, at the end of the day, I realized that I so much rather deal with the kids than the the than the adults like in yeah. that 
industry. Like I'm so great with what, what I do and I couldn't change this. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So you, you're going to have a doctorate in early childhood education or is it child psychology? What is, what is your doctorate going to be in? It would be in education for curriculum and instruction. That is butter. That's what I love. Um, when I go down to the meat of what it is that we do in the academic part of it and how we deliver those things to students, that is really where I shine. So you get you get um, what excites you really is the the creating the curriculum and developing what what your actual educators are you're, you're like uh, what they're actually passing down. You like the you like to be at the foundation of building it to watch it watch it get put in place. Absolutely. There are things that we talk about as educators when we when we look at and we look for aha moments, that moment where we've taught and we taught and we taught or we've shown. And then there's the the light bulb that catches for a child when they have taken first steps or they've learned um, just cause and effect. And they are getting the academics like letters, shapes, numbers, colors, sounds. When those things finally click for them, it is such a beautiful thing. And so to help teachers to create those aha moments in their students, um, to you know, deal with challenging behaviors, classroom management, um, things like that. For me, that is really where I want all of my training and energy to go. You see, that makes you much better than me. I would just take every little baby and put them in front of a keyboard and hope <laughs> that they just start instantly playing and they're like a, they're a savant and they just all of that would be my that's how that's how much I need to get hit in the head with something. You see an aha moment when a, a child takes their first steps. I want them to be like Beethoven and just instantly know how to play the <laughs> piano. That would be my aha moment with a kid in, in one of the schools. But that is really awesome to watch. I'm, I'm assuming it's extremely fulfilling to watch that develop and, and watch kids um, you know kind of grow into themselves and learn the different things they need to at that instrumental early foundational stage. Absolutely. Is there, is there some sort of myth or misconception about early childhood education that people listening to this, you know, might have something like, do you got parents that say, Hey, I thought it was going to be this. And you kind of have to educate them on what you're actually doing. Yes. One of the, biggest myths that really boils my britches is that this is just babysitting that we are glorified babysitters that this is just a daycare when we are in early childhood facility um right. preschool experiences that are extremely rewarding there are social interactions we instill a learning love for learning. We introduce academics in a way where when they go to school, they have that foundation. And so when we are referred to as, you know, babysitters or when it's just like, well, it's just a daycare. Why do they need to come every day? Why do they have to be here um, by for us 9 a.m. Um, well, because that's where academics, you know, come into play. We have to teach routines. We have to make sure that they are really getting from the program what it is um, as a foundation so that each step can really put on each other from infants to toddlers, to our bridge program, to our preschool, to our pre-K. Um, when they miss one of those steps, it makes it more difficult for that next, um, that transition. And so when that myth is like, you know, it's just it's just preschool, it's just a daycare, it's just, it, you know, they don't need it. They can go on vacation for two months, but when they come back, they're not- Setback. That, yeah, the setback is there. Yeah. 
learning loss really exists when they're little. And so for us, um, it's really important that we make sure that, you know, we give them exactly what they need to be successful. It's almost like besides being educators for the children and getting them in a routine, it's almost like you have to educate the parents a little bit, um, you know, and, and kind of help them. To, I mean, and I guess it depends right on parents. So like if you have that parent that this is their first kid, there's a level of anxiety for that first first child parent that they're just figuring this all out. By the time you get the parent that they're on kid number three or four, they're just kind of like, here, get them here at nine o'clock, take them, and they know what you do with them. But it's some of that education to the parents initially, I would assume. Yeah. One thing that we um, that we tell our, our staff is that we are the professionals in this. Um, we deal with a lot of staff that may, you know, have their professional um, licenses and they have their things that they do that they're great at. Doctors, lawyers, things like that. They are amazing at what they do. We are amazing at what we do. Right. So for us, we have so much training that's involved in childcare. It's not just, you know, again, we're not just babysitters. We didn't take a class at the Y and now we can just watch kids. Like, no, we we are making sure that we are providing them with what they need to be successful. And so sometimes communicating that to the parent is not always an easy job. And so for me, <laughs> director of education, getting that buy-in for the parents so that they yeah. fully understand that this is a big deal um, is one of the one of the challenges I think that I that I have. Um, we have great parents at our facility, so I don't really tackle that a lot now. But in the past, oh boy, there are some parents that it really takes. There's you know, always there's always those outer liar parents. Yeah. That, I mean, I have I work with schools, a lot of different schools at a lot of different levels, and there's the ninety. It's like the ninety ten rule, right? Like. 90% of everybody does an amazing job, but then there's those those couple of people. I mean, you don't have to name names. We're not looking for you to name names around anybody. <laughs> but yeah, I get it. I mean, and, and if you're educating the parents and getting them into and buy into the program, it makes everything a lot easier for, for you, for them, but especially for the kids that they're in that routine and it helps them, helps them to get their, you know, those building blocks that they need to get started. Um, so you're you're surrounded by hundreds of children, 30 plus staff. You're in Wesley Chapel. When you are not in the school, in your free time, are you reading books on how to be a better educator or what do you like to do for fun? I am still with kids when I leave here. I am a mom of five. So five? Yes. Wow. So my fun is surrounded by their activities. Um, I also coach cheerleading um, for a local little league team. It's football and cheer, the Riverview okay. Raiders. Um, so I coach cheerleading um, and then everything outdoors. So, you know, having five kids, we can't stay inside. So yeah. camping, I do it yearly. Um, I'm missing out this year, but I live for camping. I live for activities. Um, and I just, I, anything that's going to keep me laughing keep some peace in my heart, um, I'm all for it. Okay. So just back up for one second. First question off of that is what was the little league again? Give them a shout out. Uh, the Riverview Raiders. Riverview Raiders. Okay. And then question number two is what are the age ranges of this starting five that you have? I have a 16 year old and my youngest is nine. So it right. a small window when my daughter was six, she was the oldest of five. Okay. Uh, okay. So yeah. So at one point you had 
five under six years old, which is yeah. like that's like that's like going into a war zone. Like that is you need you're battle tested with with five kids under six years old. But yeah. now if the youngest is nine, so they're all in kind of fun. I mean, 16 year old girl. Okay, that could be difficult. I get there's some challenges that come around teenage girls. But nine, you know, those ages are fun. There's, you know, there's Little League, there's soccer, there's all sorts of like, you know, Boy Scouts, Girl Scout. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff to do in those age ranges. But you know what, Rashonda, soon enough, they will all be off to college and that you will be an empty nest <laughs> making a tear face. I get it. I get it. But I'm sure, you know, what is what kind of work does your husband do? Um. I don't have a husband. I'm a single mom of five. Oh so, my God. Yes, listen, I am, I'm giving you a standing ovation <laughs> right now. Good for you. That is absolute. And I woke up the bulldog. So he's, uh, he uh, didn't, he didn't like the standing ovation, but good for you. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I mean, listen, a single mom, doing what you do that there, there's got to be some award out there. We'll look it up and see what award we can find and we'll make some calls when we're done with this podcast. So <clears throat> I guess that kind of leads me into this next question a little bit is in your personal journey. I mean, going from pre-med to education, that is kind of a, I wouldn't call that a hardship, but that's kind of a curveball in life. But when, when have you run into a time in your life where you've hit a hardship that you've kind of taken that hardship and turned it around, galvanized yourself, and made it a positive. Where you've turned lemons into lemonade and come out the other side on it. Give it, give the people listening an example of that for inspiration. So for me, I think being a single mom, and this has been something that's been the last five years. I think most people will understand how difficult of a situation that that can be. Um, for me, one of the biggest things that I had to do is just remain super centered, focused on my goals and not sweat the little things. Um, I am, or at least try to be a pretty positive person um, because I know that I could, I have two choices. I can break down and let these things consume me or I can be a good example for all of my kiddos. Um, so my children now, they see a strong mom. I'm empowered to just continue to learn and grow. And they can see me persevere through adversity. Um, for my parents who had never really imagined um, some of the hardships that I've had to endure these past five years, um, of course, I don't foresee that for any of my kids. But what I do see that is if they go through life and life is just lifing, um, that they know that there is definitely light at the end of those tunnels. Um, and for them to just keep going and keep pushing um, and not really give in to whatever adversity that they come across. Yeah, I love that life is just lifing. <clears throat> you know, that's... Uh... What I was thinking about, I mean, so you have five kids, What boys, your oldest is a girl. What, are they all girls, boys? What's the mix? I have almost split. I have three boys and then I have two girls. Um, so in that, in that five, I have a set of twins that are boy, girl. Okay. Oh, that are frenetic twins. They're, they're boy and girl. So, um, <clears throat> so, you know, when I hear you tell that story, what I think about is your daughters are getting to see a strong, powerful woman taking charge of her life, which is amazing, which is, you know, 
kind of correlates to the school itself. You're teaching your kids. You're an educator at home, just living, lifing, you know, as life is lifing for you, which is pretty amazing. Um, and then your, your, your boys are getting the opportunity to see, listen, how to treat a woman the right way that they're seeing examples of that. I, you know, I mean, you, you know, you seem like the type of, of, of woman that just is takes charge and does your thing. I mean, it takes a brave person, a, to switch majors in the middle of your college education to find what you love and then to be able to, to have five kids and be, and be raising them is just amazing. I, I applaud you for that. That's incredible. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If you, um, if, if you had, you know, one thing, people listening to this, obviously, listen, guys, if you're listening to this podcast and you're hearing the quality of people that the Goddard School has working there and educating your children, this should be right out of the gate. One of the reasons why you would want to have your children attend this facility. But what would you say is the one thing you want people listening to this podcast to say, this is why we need to you know, really use this facility? So one thing that I always share is that I am way too young to be grandma. Um, however, I am the best auntie. And here at the Goddard School, it will always feel like a home away from home. It's going to always feel like you're dropping off at auntie's house. We're going to light up when we see your child and your child's going to light up when they see us. Um, so we are here. We're local. We are definitely always welcoming new families um, for staff. We're always looking for new talent. And this is just definitely a place to be. I wish my kids were young enough to still attend because there are 33 amazing aunties in classrooms that are just waiting for your little one. That's the biggest thing that I would want the community to know. That is definitely good to know. Going to your aunt's house as opposed to some some daycare that's not uh, having professionals in there. I mean, there's a lot of people that do different things. I know I have friends that do like private stuff where they only have a couple of kids and I've seen that, you know, work, but that's not really an education. That is a daycare, you know, and what you guys do encompasses a wide range from, from such an early childhood, such an early age up until they're getting into, you know, kindergarten. So we will include obviously all this information, but people listening to this, how do they, what's the best way for them to reach out to you guys? Do they go to your website to sign up? Do they set up a tour? Do they go to your Facebook page? Do they call? How do they get a hold of you guys to come in? So a few different ways. Now, if you go to our Facebook page, you're going to see some shenanigans between myself and Ms. Dalau, who is the other um, team, uh, other half of the administration team. Um, so you can always go ahead and at least view you know, who we are and some things about us. Our website, if you go to goddardschool.com, you can always put in our location, see specifics about us. Um, you can look at our calendar and things that we have going on. And then if you want to set up a tour, if you want to come and really put a face to a name, get a feel for the building, um, you can always give us a call. Our number is 813-603-6100. Um, we don't allow for walk-ins, but you can always call and schedule something with us. Okay. And then just from a timing standpoint, I mean, we are sitting here, it is July as we're doing this podcast. Um, like how late, if I'm a parent, I mean, I, you know, I should have probably done this a few months ago, but is there still room? When does when does enrollment start and timing wise? Do people need to get in there sooner rather than later? What's the timing on that? So we have ongoing enrollment. Okay. 
close it down for certain times of the year, but it really is based on availability. Every class is different. There are some classes that may have a little bit more open availability, like our preschool class, since all of our preschool students are going over to pre-K. and. Right. Um, everyone else, it really would just be a matter of giving us a call and seeing what we have available. Um, I always stress the parents don't wait, especially when you have younger ones. Most of our parents try to get their students in young when they're like in like the infant or the toddler classrooms. And they want us, they want their child to be a part of the program through the whole fruition of their early childhood years. So if you do decide to wait, you may lose out and you will have to wait on the waiting list. So guys, if you're listening to this and you have young children and you want to get them into the Goddard School in Wesley Chapel, call up. You can definitely ask for Rashonda. I'm sure she'll have somebody else handle it. But Call up, set up a time, go in, check it out. It is a great location right off of Bruce B. Downs. Rashonda, thank you so much for being on with us on the Good Neighbor Podcast. You have an amazing day. You do the same. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast Passcode. To nominate your favorite local businesses to be featured on the show, go to gnppasco.com. That's gnppasco.com or call 813 Nine two two three six one zero.